And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And today's a show, a show that's old school. Why is it old school? Because it's just me and my Todd. Tina had to have a vacation. She's gone to, as she calls it, the happiest place on earth which apparently is Disneyland because if you had that as an answer me and you are very different because Disneyland doesn't sound like the place that is somewhere I'd want to spend the day right now especially in this woke utopian world that we live in and today's show I want to do something a bit different I want to talk to you about three very different topics but that are all linked today I want to start by running through a scenario with you And as I run through this scenario with you, I want you to ask yourself one question. How likely is this to happen right here, right now? So sit back. I would say relax, but this is not a, a happy scenario. And listen and ask yourself some honest questions. I'm Steen Airbrace in Germany. Military generals on radar have been notified that Russian fighter jets have been deployed. They have left Russian airspace and are now in Belarusian airspace. What could this mean? These attacks over the last few days of violating other countries' sovereign countries' airspace have become all too common. Up until now, These fighter jets stopped in Belarusian airspace because they are an ally of Russia and turn around. Today might be a day that it will continue to trend or will today be the day that Russia is even more emboldened and decides to go one step further. They're watching on the radar four squads of two air fighter aircrafts as they beep Beep, beep, closer on the radar. Today is not going to be a good day. Because today these squadrons have not turned around. They are now in Polish airspace. For those that don't know, Poland is part of NATO. Military generals are on the phone. How do we respond? Well, the automatic response from Polish airspace, because they were dealing with it, not just on NATO, the minute they got close to the Polish border, they immediately responded in kind by launching eight and four squadrons of two fighter jets to respond, to meet them. They wanted to send a message to the premier of Russia, 
that message is you will not enter our airspace and we will meet force with force. NATO responds in kind from the Ramstein Air Base in Germany. It also sends some squadrons going incredible speeds, 400 miles an hour, 500 miles an hour, 600 miles an hour, 700 miles an hour. Until all of a sudden, they meet over Polish airspace. And the Russians are flying in such a way that it's to seek to antagonize the Polish fighters. They do flybys. They whisk right by them. They're trying to antagonize them. They're trying to get a nervous fighter to open fire. The Polish fighters, to their credit, don't open fire. They just respond. They just try and keep them in a holding pattern so they don't further advance over mainland Europe and over NATO airspace. But sadly, during one of these flybys, the Russian fighter pilot, one of the Russian jets, hits wing-on-wing contact with one of the Polish fighters. And their boat wings are destroyed, and they go down, and they go down quick. Both sides in their boat languages have this O-S-H-I-T moment. What has happened? Clearly, this is not meant to be. This is meant to be just an antagonistic cause to poke the bear, shall we say. Both squadrons go in a holding pattern. Neither unsure what to do. Neither sure of, do we engage, do we not engage? And they get over their earphones. And both sides are told, get home straight away. The Russian jets turn around and get back to Russia. The Polish jets, and by this time, the, the NATO air jets are there to see all the, the carnage. And they return to NATO air base for further instructions. It doesn't take long, but news quickly breaks of a mid-air collision between a Polish fighter jet and a Russian fighter jet above Poland. We then get breaking news and a Twitter report from a journalist on the ground, just an average person, just like me and you, who has an iPhone. And there on the ground, you see two planes destroyed and flames coming from them. The world and the media are shocked, are appalled, and the panic ensues. Naturally, the first thing to happen is stock markets around the world crash, triggering the breaking point to stop trading. Is this the start of World War III? Is this the start of a new conflict? Was this done on purpose? Was one of the jets fired upon? Information is very slow to come out. Until the premier and the prime minister of Poland and the Russian premier speak. 
But instead of understanding that this was an accident, both sides go to blame the other side. Poland blames Russia for intruding on their airspace. Poland says this is an act of aggression and that it cannot stand. And the Poland premier asks NATO to enforce Article 5. The Russian premier says this was an act of self-defense, that we're worried about NATO that we're worried about Poland, that we're worried about all the aid that America is sending and other allies are sending to Ukraine right now. And that we were just purely doing recon, recon, recons, trying to find out what was happening. And we just wanted to see your response times. Next day, the world is still on a... O-S-H-I-T moments. The first question that rises the next day is, will the stock markets open? Yes, they do. But they close within mere minutes. The the breaker in the stock market is triggered once again, causing an even bigger market crush. Russia responds, saying this is an attack on our country. That we have decided that we send approximately 170 cubic meters of gas every day to Germany through Nord Stream 1, that we're going to reduce this in half until you apologize, until you pay reparations to our fighter. Poland responds immediately by saying, not only are we not paying reparations to your fighter, we demand reparations for our fighter. This all of a sudden escalates rather quickly. Russian fighter jets, where they would happen once a day, would fly over into Belarusian airspace, are now flying on the air. Poland and NATO are on high alert 24 hours a day, waiting for the next skirmish to happen. Sadly, they don't have to wait long. You see, it seems both sides are determined to start a war. There is no de-escalation. It's all escalating. It's all rhetoric. One side blaming the other side. The stock market can't open for more than five minutes at a time before the, the circuit breakers crash, meaning trading is halted. It's gotten so bad that there has been so much money lost in the mere days after this altercation. That around the world, in Japan, in Australia, in Europe, in America, they've all agreed that there should be a trading holiday of one week, which means if you have an asset, you can't remove it for at least a week. You can't cash out because we need to defend our stock market. We need to defend our way of life. And that we're giving ourselves the one week to try and de-escalate this problem. To try and calm the fears. Sadly, that week comes and goes and there's no change. Germany and mainland Europe are now struggling. They're struggling for energy because of the amount of gas Russia has cut off from its supply on Nord Stream 1. 
The people are in the streets rioting. The people are worried. Because everyone is scared, people are panic buying. It's like COVID in 2020. What are they panic buying? Quite simply, anything they can guess. Bread, milk, eggs have all sold out a long time ago. We're now back to hoarding toilet roll. Tampons, toothpaste. People literally go into the shops and anything that they can get, they get and they buy. But the sad thing about this is, is because everything is on such high demand and because effectively the world economy has shut down and people are scared and not longer wanting to work, the prices are through the roof. A tub of toothpaste that used to cost $4 now costs 10 Tampons that used to cost 8 now cost 20 Needless to say, this causes panic. It causes panic, especially among the people poorest. How do you feed your kids? How do I feed myself? How do I, how am I going to live? Until one morning, America wakes up. It wakes up to the news that there's been an attack. An attack on Nord Stream 1. Russia used to supply 170 cubic meters of gas a day. They decided to ration it and get it down to 85. But now there's been an attack. And Germany now gets no gas. The pipeline is destroyed. It's going to take months to fix and the question is, is there even going to be a political will? Germany and mainland Europe see this as an act of aggression. And yet again, our situation has escalated and we are blaming the other side. Russia blames America and Germany for not being cooperative and blame them for this attack. And Germany and America and NATO blame Russia for this attack. The fingers point Within mere hours, Germany and mainland Europe is in a blackout with no end in sight. The riots we just spoke of mere days earlier are now a laughing point. Society is on the brink. Society in Germany and in mainland Europe is about to be destroyed. There is this constant pull involving America because America is part of NATO. You need to help us. You need to get involved. President Biden gives a speech saying he will proudly stand beside his European allies. But then the conversation breaks down because the European allies say we need energy and we need it now. Biden's response to release yet another million barrels a day of oil from the strategic reserve. They say, this is not enough. We need more than a million barrels a day. We need you to drill. You're not affected by these blackouts and brownouts. We need you to be the energy driver of the world. President Biden is met with choruses of booze from his own party. They say, don't do it. This is a war we can survive, but we cannot survive climate change. We cannot get 
back to the reliance on gas. So President Biden signs an executive order sending over solar panels and wind turbines to Germany and to mainland Europe. Needless to say, there is outrage in Germany. They are disgusted at this response. They feel America has turned its back on them. So what does Germany do? Germany, in connection with Poland, say it's time for this to stop. The riots need to stop. Our society needs to come back together. And they launch an offensive attack on mainland Russia. It's winter in 2022. Anyone who knows anything about Russia knows and knows very easily that attacking Russia in winter is not smart. As you can imagine, these fireballs, these missiles hit mainland Russia and they hit their strategic targets and Russia responds in kind. We are now in a flat-out World War III, Germany and Russia. It's eerily similar to wars of the past. You have the nationalists in Germany versus the communists in Russia. You have Article 5. Article 5 by NATO has officially been invoked. America now, whether it likes it or not, is part of World War III. Russia escalates the situation further by moving several thousand squadrons of troops into Belarus. It lands its fighter jets in Belarus, so it's easier to fly into mainland Europe to attack. NATO calls up troops from every country available, including America. We are now on the Western Front. We are now, yet again, the war drums are beating, and they're beating quicker. One side attacks, the other side responds. All the time ensuring more blackouts, more brownouts, no energy. Germany knows because of its lack of energy and because of President Biden's refusal to drill at home that it only has a certain amount of days' worth of energy. To ensure this war is won, heavy restrictions are enforced. You're not allowed to drive your car. You cannot buy gas. You cannot have any energy consumption in your house. All energy must go to the states because the state is at war. And our war is more important than you having an iPhone or an iPad. There is one channel on the TV that is allowed to work. And you're allowed to log on to that TV or switch on to that TV once a day at a certain time to get the news updates. There is no food. The global financial system has crashed. There's economic turmoil. Our very way of life has turned upside down. The government's response is to print more money, to borrow from somewhere. They never tell us where. And they want to invest in programs where they'll invest in these shelters where you can turn up once a day for a meal. If you've got a kid or you're a mother of a young kid, you can turn up twice a day and get two meals. All men of fighting age are drafted into the military. 
into the backup military to be trained. This goes on and on and on until there is no end. Which side wins this scenario? Why did I make up that scenario? Did I do it just to have fun? No. Did I do it just because I want to tell how great a storyteller I am, which it's not true, but nope. I told this story because if you actually heard the news last week, this could have happened. This very action could have happened. And we should be so thankful we are not in World War III last week, this week. Last week, for about four hours, I was sure the world had started World War III. When those rockets hit Poland. And everyone blamed Russia. Everyone was sure it was Russian. They were Russian missiles, don't you know? This is an act of aggression. This is an attack on a NATO country. Thank God. Thank God. They were not Russian missiles, and it wasn't an attack. And thank God I am able to record this show today and start by saying we are not at World War III. But we're not at World War III right now, but we could be very soon. Do you see how quickly our society could disintegrate? Listen to that segment again. How likely do you think that is to happen? Is there anyone who listened to that and went, you know what? No, John, that could never happen. You're a conspiracy theorist. Really? I could see that happening very quickly. Now, I focused on that scenario in Europe. What do you think would happen in America? Do you think your constitutional rights will be secure? Do you think you'd be able to report on Twitter, on Facebook? Your, your stock market would crash just as quickly as theirs would. If there's no food in Germany, there's very little food in America. Or not to the food to the standard that we're used to having. If there's an economic crash around the world, do you think America is safe from it? These are questions we need to ask ourselves. I did this little scenario for you, not to say be scared, to all of a sudden have a really bad Thanksgiving week. I did it for the opposite. I did it as a wake-up call, but also for something to be thankful for. I'll talk to you about Thanksgiving in the next segment. But I want to talk to you about domestic politics. We need to understand that America right now, and this is just purely American, not anywhere else in the world. We are not secure in our liberties. We are not secure in our rights. That America, as amazing as a country as it is, and I love it. I love being here. We have become so removed and so disconnected 
to our founding principles, it's scary. And that there is a scenario out there, and they're very likely that our country could be taken over. Our country could be destroyed. Our very way of life, even right now, as many Americans think, you know what, the way of life in America in 2022 sucks. It could look like paradise compared to what it could be very quickly. We have major problems. And we need to start having conversations. We need to start talking with each other and in the public discourse, actually talking about problems and how we start solving them. I was having a conversation with someone who's way smarter than me this week. And they're talking about going back to college and they're going to, we were talking a lot about Jonathan Haidt. I don't know if you know Jonathan Hyde, if you've never researched him or read any of his work, I would recommend you do it. He's a very smart dude. But one of Jonathan Hyde's big things is we've stopped talking to each other. And this guy is a, is a history buff like I am and just loves history. And we talk a lot about different histories. And we, for some reason, just started talking about World War II. Because why not? Because World War II is just awesome to talk about. That's sarcasm, by the way. But there's so much to learn about World War II. And we just started having this conversation, and we, we, st- we spoke about World War II, but we also started by talking about the, the conditions leading into World War II. So we talked about World War I. We went as far back as the late 1800s. We're ta- we were talking about Bismarck, the leader of Germany. And we were just having a good back and forth. We didn't agree on everything, but it was a great conversation. And we both at the same time kind of had a realization that this type of conversation can't happen. We actually spoke with two pretty conservative guys and said uh, at many points during the conversation, what we said, people would have interjected and said, we were pro-Russia, we were pro-Nazi, we were pro-Hitler, we were defending the German people. We would have done loads of different things that you're anti-American. Just all these conversations that you need to have. We were anti-Churchill. Just having a conversation about different things. It was so easy to twist words today. And the sad thing is, so many people today, instead of looking to have a conversation with them and kind of go, hey, what can we talk about? Where can we find common ground? Where can we say, hey, this is where we agree, this is where we disagree, but actively look to have a conversation on where we agree and finding some common ground? We don't do that as a whole, as a collective, even though I hate talking like that. We seem to seek out the one area of area that we disagree. We have one area and we just point out, ah, this is where you see all these things we agree on. Yeah, but this is where you're wrong. And this is where you become my enemy. That needs to stop. When you're at the brink potentially of your world changing overnight in events that you have nothing or no control over, Maybe it's time to get serious about real conversations. Second story. I have a friend of mine who is way bigger in this industry than I am. And I think this was, it's not, it wasn't last week. I think it was two weeks ago. Got many, gets many different emails, but got two drastically different emails about the same topic. Both calling him a traitor. 
What did those emails say? The first one said, you better support Trump in 2024 or you're a traitor. And the other one said, it's clear Trump's time has come and go. If you dare support him in 2024, you're a traitor to this nation. We need someone better. Now, this is not a Donald Trump thing. Donald Trump does not have control over what his supporters say or who his supporters communicate with. But just think of that for a second from the individuals. That if you support a candidate or don't support a candidate, you are literally a traitor to your nation. Traitor? Really? Look, you may have a strong opinion either way of those things. You may be like, you know what? Yeah, you need to support Trump in 2024. Or you might be like, no, we need someone younger, fitter, stronger, better, whatever. The, you, whatever adjective you want to use in 2024. That's cool. That's your conversation. But to call someone a traitor because they don't have the same opinion as you or don't have the same solution as you do, is that really the discourse we want to be part of? How do you grow a base if that's your conversation? How do you grow a country? You either support what I do or my candidate or you're a traitor. This needs to stop. And anyone, regardless of your opinion, needs to tone down the rhetoric, calm the situation down, and start having a conversation. And let's have a conversation about the way forward for America. The way forward for the Constitution doesn't mean anything. The way forward for the economy. How do we build a prosperous economy? How do we unleash the American people once again? Have a conversation about actual policies and principles. How do we unleash the energy sector so that the energy sector is once again America independent, where it's independent? We don't need oil from any other country, that we don't have to do what Joe Biden has to do, go cap in hand to the Saudis going, oh, please, 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 please drill some more, please. Oh, sorry, Biden wishes he could talk, talk that well. Uh, uh, please uh, uh, don't jump. Uh, 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 drill some more for something. Uh, oh, oil. Drill for more oil, please. Thank you. That's Biden. We need to start getting to a point where we're independent. We need to start getting to a point where America can survive and be independent from any turmoil that happens overseas. But America also needs to be strong. How do we, how do, we do that? Can you be strong and only have one way of thinking? Can we be strong and only have one leader? You know, this idea really troubles me where we've bought hook, line, and sinker into the president being the most powerful person in the world. I'm going to not even talk to you about the Constitution where the presidency has no power. Zero, zilch, nada. I'm not even going to talk to you about the constitutional point of view. I'm going to talk to you about it from a strategic point of view. Is it smart that one person out of 330 million people has the greatest say on the success or failure of this nation? Isn't that what we fought to get rid of in our founding? Isn't that what we fought against? The king, 
why don't we just come out and be honest about it? If we just want one person, and this is nothing to do with Donald Trump, by the way, this is to do with Donald Trump, Barack Obama, uh, Mitt Romney, Hillary Clinton, all these people who run or make it, the presidency the most powerful, George Bush, John McCain, Bill Clinton. I could keep going on and going on and on just from a strategic point of view. Why do we call them the president? Why don't we just call them the grand supreme leader? You're the most powerful person in the world. Whatever you want, you can do. And if we don't like what the job you do in four years, we'll remove you. Or should we have checks and balances? The idea of having a system, and if I may equate it to another system where we have another series of problems in this country, I'm very uncomfortable with nine people in black robes having the power that they have over 313 million people. Why would I be okay with one person having that power for good or for bad? I don't want to live in fear every four years of the bad person getting power. But this is where I bring it back to solutions. You see, I've seen so many people, especially on my Facebook page, who are so vocal during the elections. They're so vocal for their candidate. And good for them. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. But now what are they vocal about? Oh, we're back talking about kitty cats and dogs. And here's a picture of my food. And life is great. Having fun at kids' sports games. And I'm not saying you shouldn't post them. But why are you gone silent on politics? If we want to start solving America's problems, if we want to start solving them from a political point of view, there is no off-season. Off-season is maybe this week as in Thanksgiving week, and maybe Christmas week, because, you know, priorities. But if we want to start solving America's problems, we need to start laying the groundworks for who we want to run in 2024. We need to start getting involved and supporting people who are running in 2024. And if you're thinking about running in 2024 for certain races, you need to get involved. You need to start laying the groundworks. You need to start visiting people. You need to start having conversations with people. I say this because I, be I still believe in America. I still believe what Martin Luther King was said was true. When the American people are given a choice of real good and real bad, they will always choose real good. That's Martin Luther King. I still believe that's true. The problem is, is that you haven't been given a choice for real good for a very long time. You know, regardless of the election, president, house, senate, governor, mayor, I was in Texas last week, and they talked about the Texas governor election. How many times do you see an election, whether regardless of what the race is, where it's, well, it's the lesser of two evils. Yeah, I don't like so-and-so, but he's better or she's better than, than the other side. How about we actually have sometimes where we can actually get to a point in America where we're proud of how we vote. We're like, no, they're not the lesser of two evils. They're pretty damn good at what they do. How do you get to that point? It starts right now. Get involved and get involved in whatever you're passionate about. If you look, if you're Donald Trump's biggest supporter and you think the presidency is where it's at, go for it. Lay the case now. If you're a person who in your state wants the certain person in the House or the Senate removed, or you think there's someone really good, get involved with them. You know, I'm not going to put any names out there, but, you know, gee, wouldn't it be a pity, you know, if I don't know, Mitch McConnell loses or, you know, ever who's up in 2024. You know, can you imagine if we actually had a scenario where Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy didn't have power in the Republican Party? Just think of that. It's always easy to focus on the other side, but are our side any better? 
Is there any conservative or constitutionalist or, you know, right where out there that's like, you know, gee, I love Mitch McConnell. Oh, Mitch McConnell's awesome. Look at the states. Look at all the states. Start laying the groundwork for people to run against different people and win. Look at all the great states out there that have crappy senators. Let me just give you a few examples. You know, what Texan is like, you know what? I love Ted Cruz, but man, John Cornyn's where it's at. No. Look, you can have all the issues with Ted you want. But compared to John Cornyn in the great state of Texas, come on, Texas, you can do better than that. Great state of South Carolina. Oh, Tim Scott is awesome, but Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is where it's at, baby. Come on, really? South Carolina, you can do better. I could go on and on and on. We need to start laying the groundwork, whether it's in 2024, 2026, 2028, that these people are removed, that these great states actually have leaders of conservative constitutional values and that we have governors. I always say this. And when I'm going out and I speak, I'm like, do you have much confidence in America? And someone say, well, I have for the future, but right now we're in a rid of a low point. And I'm like, can you imagine, close your eyes and think of America right now. Now think of it. If you were 20 Ron DeSantis's, just think of how different you would feel. And everyone's like, yeah, that'd be amazing. I'm like, exactly. The power isn't all in the presidency. The power is in the States. And if we start working back towards that, where we support candidates who want to stand up to D.C., regardless of who holds power, and say, stop, that is not your job. If we could do that, we could save and turn around America very, very quickly. And this is where I bring you back just to one last point. That scenario is type totally my creation. But I can see it happening. But even if it doesn't happen because of World War III, we're about to enter really bad times. We're about to enter a massive recession. We're about to enter a recession that's going to be so bad, it's going to make 2008 look like child's play. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to you because America, especially on the quote-unquote right wing, has been very, very good at prepping. If you haven't got food storage, if you haven't got guns and ammo, if you haven't got some money lying aside you know, for a rainy day, I do everything in my power to start. Do everything in your power to start. Trust me, as someone who is flat broke right now, I'm very nervous about the future for my own personal reason. I've got food storage. No, I don't. I don't have food storage. That's at the bottom of a lake. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that but I have some prepping supplies, but I don't have any money because I can't earn money because I can't work because your government is so efficient. It's nearly a year now. and I still haven't got a social security number or authorization to work. If you wouldn't mind praying for that, if you pray over Thanksgiving, please do so. I'd be eternally grateful. But if you haven't got any of these and you're in a position to start any little thing that you can do, buy tin food, whatever it is, just to save yourself whatever you think you need going forward do because times are going to get tough and i would hate to see any of you really really struggling
I want to finish up today's show by just talking about what's happening this week. As you're listening to this show, depending on you listen, you're either about to celebrate Thanksgiving or you've already celebrated it. America, I always love your holidays. I always feel you have them in the right order. You've got Thanksgiving, which is this week, where we give thanks. You've got Christmas, which is a season of hope, a season of joy. And then you've got the new year, which is a season of a fresh start. Thanksgiving is an amazing holiday. It's amazing as I read history and I reread history, especially of the founding era, but how much they were thankful for and what exactly they were thankful for. They were thankful on the second Thanksgiving for rain. They were thankful on the first Thanksgiving because their crops grew. And they wanted to give thanks to the Almighty above for these blessings. We have so much more today. Even if you're really poor, you have so much more today than the people in those founding, the pilgrims and the founders ever had. You have more today than they could ever dream of. You have access to more power. You can read any book online. You can do all this research. You can have phone conversations with people all around the world. It's incredible. You know what's going on around the world nearly instantaneously if you go onto Twitter and you follow the right people. Yet it's so easy today to look at your life and say, you know what, I have nothing to be thankful for. Being thankful is not easy. Being thankful is actually very hard. I know because I've been struggling with this for the last couple of weeks. And in truth, the last couple of months. You all know my, my issues with mental health. But I've been very, with everything that's going on, I've been really struggling to be thankful for anything. You know, sometimes it's easy to have a pity party. Trust me, as someone who deals with depression and been bipolar, it's easy to have a pity party. You know, oh, poor me, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have this. And it's so easy to get frustrated with your government about my social security number, which still hasn't come. But I'm living in the greatest country in the world. There's no country I would rather be in. There are situations which I would love to change in my private life. But you know what? There's always going to be situations I would rather change. But you still have to be thankful. Even in the smallest things that just seem so ridiculous. I was in church yesterday on Sunday and listening to a preacher, my preacher. And he was talking about Corey Ten Boom and the hiding place. And he was like, did you know in, in the hiding place, one of the things they were thankful for was the fleas in there. There was loads of fleas in their little camp. Now, just think about that just for a second. Who the hell is thankful for fleas in their camp? But the reason they were thankful for it was because the guards so hated the fleas, they never really checked their camp. And because they didn't check them, they could study the Bible in peace. That's a big stretch to be thankful for, isn't it? 
That takes a lot of work, a lot of resilience to be thankful for the fleas that infestation your camp. But looking at the positive side of things, you know, one of the things I've been listening to as I've been dealing with all my personal problems is I listen to a lot of motivational stuff. And I was listening to another motivational video by uh, Jocko. You know, Jocko, he's the military guy. And it's like, you know, he has this answer where he's like, no matter what the bad thing is that happens to him, he says, the answer is good. Didn't get this, good. Didn't do this, good. It's an opportunity to be better. And the reason he always says good is his response is because, as he says, if he can say the word good, it means you're alive, which means you can change your future. We need to be more thankful. Because even in the world today, even in the economy in 2022, under Joe Biden, there are still things to be so thankful for, even in America. Like we give out about gas prices, and naturally so, it should, we should give out. We should never accept what's happening at our energy industry. Our gas prices are up from like 180 to three something at a gallon since Donald Trump left office. But in the UK, it's so much worse. I was reading this story about this business owner. He's a chef. His energy bills have gone from $1,600 a month as a chef in a restaurant to 6,400 pounds. Imagine that as an increase. That's a 400% or 300% increase. That's crazy. How can we do that? We don't have that. We're so blessed to live in this country. As all the problems it is, we still live in the greatest country in the world. And we can have the power to turn it around. But we can only do that if we're thankful. We need to start being more thankful about all the gifts that we have and start building a way forward. So this Thursday for Thanksgiving, or if you've listened to it afterwards, I would ask you, I'd beg you to reflect on your life. And even if your life is really bad, to reflect on everything that you can be thankful for. Or even when you see the bad things, be thankful for them. That gives you an opportunity that you're still alive, that you can still turn things around. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll do nothing. But I believe if you can change your attitudes and be more thankful, we'll be more positive. We'll be like, yeah, you know what? Things aren't that bad, but we can change them. And that we'll have more hope going forward for the future. Joe Biden is a horrible president. He'll go down as one of the worst presidents. Yes, it's got it. But it gives us an opportunity. Do you know what the opportunity is for him as president? Gives us the opportunity to make the case for American exceptionalism once again and remove him in two years. To say, their ways, you had your chance. You got everything you wanted. Look at what you did to the country. Now we're going to turn this thing around. We're going to make America exceptional again. We're going to make America the beacon of light for the world. We're going to unleash the American people. We're going to unleash the energy companies. And we are going to be a, not a savior, but we're going to help and serve the rest of the world. And ensure that scenario I said at the start never happens. And if it does happen, that we're not just giving out solar panels and wind turbines, that we're giving real energy. America, our future is in each and every one of your hands. I know you're tired. I know you're angry. I know you're pissed off. But we have to start acting. Now is that time. If not now, when? If not you, who? I hope you and your family and everyone that comes to your house for Thanksgiving has a beautiful and blessed Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. And I'll talk to you next week. Because next week's shows in the month of December... We're offering Thanksgiving 
the month of December are going to focus on three special interviews with three guests you don't want to miss talking about faith, hope, and joy. I think you'll really enjoy what we have lined up for you December. It's going to be a break from the politics. It's going to be a break from the news of the day that has to get you depressed like it does me and tell you three inspirational stories that I hope will give you something. You don't want to miss these shows. And we finish up the way we do each and every week, even without Tina. I salute the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, your military, and I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever forget America is great because Americans are good. That's the sentiments of the Tocqueville. That's you. You're not great because of Trump or Biden or DeSantis or any other politician. You're great because of you, the people. Have a beautiful and blessed Thanksgiving, and we'll see you in December. God bless. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.